this morning and turn to the book of Matthew. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we finished the series of the Sermon on the Mount. Been preaching in the Sermon on the Mount since about January. And I thought that the Lord would direct me maybe into an Old Testament book and do some things there, but He still has us in the book of Matthew. Over the next however long it takes, I'm going to be preaching through what's called the kingdom parables. Parables are simply earthly, earthly stories or earthly teachings to give a heavenly or a spiritual meaning. The Lord used them to illustrate about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, about the truth spiritually. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a moment. But this morning, I want to preach something to you that's, that is quite heavy on my heart. And, and, and so I just I, I want us to listen, not to me, because you don't need to hear me. But we now at this moment need to prepare our hearts and our minds so that the Holy Spirit can speak to us, okay? So let's take God's Word, Matthew chapter 13. We're going to read verses 1 through 8 and then 18 through 23. And I have a lot to say, and I think I'll say some of it next week in the history and the background of what's going on here because the time is a little away from us today. But don't worry about the time. Uh, It's all the Lord's. Amen. Matthew 13. The same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside. And great multitudes were gathered together unto Him. So that he went into a ship and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spoke many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, now he, in this section of parables, there are seven parables that he gives, and this is the very first one. Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Now down to verse 18. Jesus gave that parable, and then the disciples came to him and said, Lord, what are you meaning? And then in verse 18, he explained what he meant by this parable. He would give the parable to the community of people, be a multitude of people. The disciples would be there, followers would be there, but unbelievers would be there. The religious people of the day, the Pharisees, the scribes, they would all be there. And he would give the parable to the group of them, but then he would take his disciples aside alone and he would teach them and he would give them the deeper issues and and the meaning of what that parable is. And as disciples this morning, Christ speaks to us in verse 18. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. Listen to what I'm telling you, he says. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then comes the wicked one and catches, catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed in the stony places, the same as he that hears the word, and Anon with joy receives it. Yet he has not root in himself, but he endures for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises, because of the word, 
by and by he is offended. He also that he also that receives seed among the thorns is he that hears the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches chokes the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that hears the word and understands it, which also bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let's read that last part again. The crux of the matter is not the decision that is made, is not the prayer that is said. The crux of the matter is what is produced in your life. That is the issue. Again, let's look at verse 23. He that receives seed into the good ground is he that hears the Word, understands the Word, and then bears fruit because of that Word in his heart, in his life. That person will, might bring forth a hundredfold from that seed, or he might bring 60% increase from that seed, or he might bring 30% increase from that seed. But what he will do is he will bring increase from that seed. Amen? The one that hears and understands will bring forth fruit because of that seed. Now let's pray. And I'll say just a few things this morning that the Lord might use in our life to help us and to work. Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I just pray this morning, God, that, that as we begin to look at these parables, and as we begin to look at the One who bore the, the weight of the sin of this world upon His life as He was sacrificed on that cross, the complete and utter totality of the wrath of the Father was born on Jesus Christ. And Lord, with that in mind and with the rejection of the Pharisees, You began to tell these parables to explain about the kingdom, to explain about those who would be in the kingdom, to explain about how they entered the kingdom. And I pray, Lord, this morning there are two types of people here today. Those who have believed unto salvation and those who have not believed unto salvation. And I pray by the name of Christ that the Holy Spirit power would invade the hearts of the people here today and that He would strengthen the faith of those who have believed and He would bring unto faith those who have not believed. And I pray this morning that there won't be a soul who leaves this building that would be confused about what it is truly to be a Christian, a believer in Jesus Christ. I pray that You would waken those who are, are still in, in that stupor of sleeplessness about the Gospel, that You would waken them this morning to their desperate need of Christ. And Lord, I pray that You would help me speak and just speak beyond my words and talk to your church this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. The reason that the Lord began to use parables at this point in His ministry really goes back 
to what happened in, in chapter 12. And because of time, we can't go back and thoroughly look at it. But in chapter 12, beginning around verse 22, Christ was rejected as Messiah. He was telling them um, by miracles and by the works that He did that He, Jesus of Nazareth, this man who's the son of a carpenter, the son of uh, Joseph and Mary, just this man, that He's not really simply a man, that He was the God-man, that He was the promised deliverer that was told to Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3 in the Garden of Eden when they had sinned against God and, was, and Satan was there. And Father said to Satan, you know, my, my, there's a seed that's going to come, a man who's going to come. He will be called the Deliverer. He will destroy the power that you have over mankind. When, when the Bible says that He will crush the serpent's head, that's exactly what it meant. It means that when Christ the Deliverer comes, that He would destroy the power that Satan has over man. And I praise God that when Jesus came and He went to that cross and He, he said it is finished and He yielded up the ghost and three days later He rose from the grave that in that work He destroyed the power of Satan over man. He cannot destroy you if you trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. But when, when this demon-possessed man in chapter 12 came to the Lord, he couldn't speak. And I've taught you before that this is a messianic miracle. See, the Jews had exorcists and they could cast out demons. But the only way the Jews could cast out demons was how? Is they went to the demon-possessed person and they said, what's your name? And the demon would say back, the name. And then they would call the name out of the demon and they would cast out that demon. That's how the Jewish exorcists did it. They would not and could not cast out a demon unless they did it that way. That's the way it was done. Jesus came along and here was a demon-possessed man that could not talk. And the Lord said, go, get out, you're done. And that demon left. The, the, the man, and before everybody, the crowd, the group of people, the Pharisees, the scribes, all the religious work people of the day, they knew exactly what this miracle meant. This miracle meant that He is the Messiah. It was a messianic miracle. That's the way it was to be done. And they knew that when that one came who could do that, He would be the Messiah. But those people did not want to believe. And do you remember the story in chapter 12? What the, the religious people said? Oh, you know what? This isn't a work of the Father. This isn't a work of God. This is a work of Beelzebub. This is a work of Satan. And then for the rest of chapter 22, Christ refutes that statement to the Pharisees. And you ought to read it. Um, Matthew 12, 22 and 4. Don't read it now, but read it later, okay? And, and you'll see what, what's happening here. There's a... There's a a, a, a twist, there was a switch, there was a move in the ministry of Christ. At this point in time, the Lord stopped just openly preaching as He did the Sermon on the Mount. On the Sermon on the Mount, 5, 6, and 7 in Matthew, He, he just freely told everybody the truth. Now, He preaches in parables because the religious people have openly rejected Christ as the Messiah. And then he gives this parable that we're looking at this morning. The parable of the sower. One of, the, one of my favorite 
parables in all of the Bible. Such great truth. And I, I need you to do me a favor this morning. Just listen. Listen to what this parable says. See, in this parable of the sower, Jesus talks about a hardened ground where the seed landed, but it could not, it didn't do anything because the ground was hard and birds came and took the seed away. Then it talks about ground uh, that where the seed fell onto stony ground. There's a little bit of earth, maybe an inch or so, but underneath that earth was just a layer of stone. It wasn't that there were stones here and stones there. The, 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 there was some earth on top, but the ground underneath, it was hard. It hadn't been totally prepared. So the seed landed on that little bit of earth, sprung up, but then it went away. And then in this parable, the Lord talks about a ground where it was plowed and, and there was earth there where the seed could sink in and, and grow, but also what was down into the earth that could not be seen were seeds of thorns and thistles, weeds. Weeds that would uh, ra- grow up with the good seed and it would choke out the, the seed that was born, planted there, and it would yield no fruit. And then he talks of the ground that was prepared. It was ready to receive the Word of God, the seed that was sown. And it would go into the ground, and because there were no rocks, because there were no thorns, because it was not hardened, that seed landed and it grew and it bore fruit. This is the parable that Christ gives us today. It is basically the story of four responses to the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Four responses to the Gospel of Christ. I quickly just want to give them to you this morning. The first response to the Gospel, to the fact that Jesus Christ loves you, and that He came. He is the God-man. God left eternity and became a man because the penalty of our sin is death. That's why Jesus became a man. That's why He came to this earth. Because our sins result in death. The only payment for sin is death. So God said, I will become the payment for your sin. And Jesus came as a 100% man and yet as a 100% God. He went to the cross of Calvary and He bore the totality of God's wrath against sin. That's the story of the Gospel in a nutshell. And the Bible says that whosoever believeth on Him shall have eternal life. It's not praying a prayer. It's not getting baptized. It's not doing any religious works. It's not walking an aisle during a music procession and and bowing your head and crying at an altar. That's not how you get saved. How you get saved is when you see the desperateness of your heart and you realize that you're a sinner before God and that sin is going to cast you in separation to an eternal death called hell which would ultimately result into the lake of fire. It's not because God is angry or hateful and He sends people to hell. The only way we go to hell is because we do not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We're separated from God because we do not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life to the Father. That's the Gospel message. There are four responses to that Gospel message. The first response is the hardened heart. In verse 19 it says, when anyone hears the Word of God, when he he hears the Word of the Kingdom, when that Gospel message is preached, 
And yet, they don't understand it. They don't get it. Their heart is hard because of maybe some belief system that they have or maybe some, some things in their life that they're angry, angry about God at and you know, they're, they're just hardened. And that seed comes at them. That Gospel message comes to them. But they, they don't get it. They don't understand it. And the Bible says because they don't understand it, that which was sown to them, that which was given to them, Satan comes, he just takes it away. It's almost like the wind comes and blows that seed away and there's no trace of the message. There's no trace of the Gospel there. It's just a hardened heart. Everybody who's talked to people about Christ, you've met these kind of people who are just hard. Sometimes they can be angry hard. Sometimes they can be simply indifferent hard, but they're hard. And that's the first response to the Gospel. The second response to the Gospel, and these next two responses, they worry me some. Actually, they scare me a lot, to be honest with you. The next response, the second response is the rocky heart response. In verse 20, it says, He that receives the seed into stony places. He's the type of person that hears the Word and with joy, he takes it in. Yeah, I want heaven. Oh yeah, I want to go to that pearly gate place. Oh yeah, I don't want to burn in the fire. Oh yeah, yeah, I want Jesus to meet my every need. And he says, yeah, I'll take that. And he starts to come to church and they sit in the pews and they sing some songs. But then the Bible says that there's no deep root. It didn't take hold of his being and his life. And yet he has no root in himself. And for a while he endured. But when tribulation, when persecution, when bearing his cross comes up, He leaves and he's offended and he walks away. And he turns his back on Christ. See, we get a lot of folk like that in the church sometimes. You know, they like the message and they like the singing and they like the fellowship and they like the, the good news of the fact that they can live in, in heaven eternally. But you know what? The Bible says that when a t- period of time passes away because of the trials of life and because of persecution and because... Being a disciple of Christ is not praying a prayer. Being a disciple of Christ is not putting two hours in on Sunday morning. Being a disciple of Christ is not hauling your stinking Bible to church in a, in a wheelbarrow because it's so big and you want everybody to see it. That's not being a disciple of Christ. Being a disciple of Christ is when life gets hard and the truth gets heavy and the persecution comes at you that you stay faithful. That's bearing your cross. Amen? That's being a Christian. Right? Amen? But there's so many people in the world today that have that rocky heart response. He hears the Word, receives it with joy because it sounds good, but because it never really took root. It never really got past the the facade of of His life. He endures a while, then He falls away. The hardness was still there, but it 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 took a while to really show for it. The third response to the Gospel message is the one of the worldly heart. You know, we, we know the hard-hearted people. Sometimes we can see the, 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 the offended people or the offended heart. And then you come to the worldly heart. In verse 22 it says, He that received the seed among the thorns is he that hears the Word. Yeah, I like that. I, I, I want to go to heaven. I, I want my sins forgiven. You know, I'd, I'd like to live in in that eternal place of peace. Then it says, and then 
the cares of this life come upon you. He's deceived by riches and the cares of this world and the desire for wealth or the, the desire to have the money to meet their daily needs or to take care of the things in their life, the desire to have stuff, it chokes out that precious word that was planted in their heart and he becomes unfruitful. This is the type of person that hears the word, but the cares of this world, the thinking that riches are what satisfies needs, it chokes out the word of God that was preached to him and it becomes unfruitful. See, what you need to understand, Christian, it's not about the initial response to the Gospel. It's about the fruitfulness of the Gospel. It's about bearing what the Gospel is to be planted in your life. Most of you don't want to hear this, but the, these first three responses to the Gospel are the responses of unsaved people. The very first time I heard that these three responses were from unsafe people was by a fellow by the name of Dr. Kirk DeVitro. Many of you know him because he's been here twice to preach. Brother DeVitro, one time he was preaching through this at our sending church, and he said, these are, these are three unsafe people. And I always took it for backslidden Christians, but they're not. See, what we need to understand in the Christian life is the result of the Gospel message is a changed life. The result of the Gospel message is fruitfulness in a person's life. Sometimes it doesn't happen overnight. It takes a long time sometimes. Some, the Bible says that somebody, some people have 100%, some have 60 some have 30 And we can't measure our life compared to other people. But the reality of the Gospel message is not you being in church on Sunday morning. The reality of the Gospel message is not you even passing out tracts during the week. The reality of the Gospel message is that it bears Gospel fruit in your life. It means that you are a changed person. If we study the Scripture, we'll find out what being like Christ means means we think differently now. You know, I was reading an article last night by Desmond Tutu. Anybody ever heard of Desmond Tutu? Lynn smiling, Alan smiling back there. They've heard of Desmond Tutu. Um, De Desmond Tutu was a bishop or something in South Africa, right? And um, this past week he came out to say this. He said, I cannot worship a God who is homophobic. And I, I looked at that article and I said, well, I couldn't worship a God that's homophobic either. I couldn't worship a God that's heterosexual immorality-aphobic either. You know, God's not afraid of your sin, folks. God's not afraid of your sin. God, God is not afraid of anything like that. God's not homophobic. God's not fearful. So I don't worship a God that's homophobic. I don't worship a God that hates people. I worship a God that loves people. But I worship a God that says there's judgment against sin. I worship a God that says, I love you and I've done everything for you and I've given my life for you and I've gone to the cross for you and I've taken your sins, Jonathan, and I've bore them upon my body on the cross for you. I've done everything so that you can be saved. That's the God I worship. Amen? See, 
When I, before I was born again, I used, to be, I used to think getting drunk was just a fun time on the weekends. I used to think that, that sex outside of marriage was just something that, that you could enjoy. I used to think that, that lying was just a way that you could get what you want without getting in trouble, at least for now. Then I became a Christian and our pastor began to preach truths. And I realized that, no, my thinking has to be different. You know what? Being a Christian is understanding that sin is sin and God hates it and that we ought not to have part in sin. But because we're like Paul, we battle against sin. Until we see Jesus, we're going to battle against sin. Until we come face to face with our Lord, we're going to battle with sin. And sometimes I'm going to fail. Amen? Sometimes I'm going to fall. Amen? Sometimes I'm going to sin. Right? But when I do, I have an advocate with the Father. And Jesus, the Savior, says, Father, Steve's come back and he's asked forgiveness for that particular thing. Father, remember, I covered him. He's forgiven. Amen? Amen? Listen. Listen. what, What this Gospel message produces in a person is a changed being. Overnight? No. But day by day. That's what it is to be a Christian. You know, it's funny. I wrote the word fruitfulness in my iPod, iPad this morning. Because I wrote the statement, it's not about the initial response, but it's about the enduring fruitfulness about being a Christian. And when I wrote that in my iPad, the spell check kicked in and it wanted to change the word fruitfulness into the word faithfulness. And I thought, spot on. Stupid iPad knows more than I do sometimes, amen? <laughs> hey man, isn't that what it is to be a Christian? It's not sinlessness. It's faithfulness. Hey, do you know in this church, who it is that's going to let you down the most? Probably me. Do you know who it is that's probably going to say things, Jason, that are going to torque you to no end? Probably me. Talk as much as I do, and you'll get in trouble as well. Amen? But you know what you should do? Come talk to me. Know what you should do? Love me anyway. And know that I'm a sinner saved by grace. And day by day we're walking with Jesus Christ. Amen? 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 Listen. The response to the Gospel. We're not after people to pray. We're not after people to walk aisles. We're not after people to get baptized. We're after people to come face to face with the living God and say, yes, I'm in desperate need of what He's done on the cross for me. I'm in need of that salvation and I must have Him so that I can be born again. Amen? And that's what Jesus is talking about in these three first cases. There are people who hear the Word. All three heard it. All three had a response to it. But none of them were born again. And Jesus is saying this by this parable because He says, To truly be born again is to have a fruitful life of Jesus Christ. See, it says there in the final soil, the prepared heart, 
Matthew 13, verse 23, He that receives seed into the good ground, the prepared ground, is he that hears the Word and understands it. And then it bears fruit. And it brings forth hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold. It makes so much sense to me now when I read Scripture and I hear, depart from me because I don't know you. What do you mean, Lord, you don't know me? I did religious things in your name. I taught Sunday schools. I cast out demons. I, I recited Scripture in, in the kids' class, or I recited Scripture in the, in, in the service, or I preached messages in our church, and I taught this and I taught that. How many times and when I read and study, I, I hear the testimonies of men and women who grew up in church, spent 50 years in church, but they had never trusted Christ as their Savior because they rested on what they did for salvation, not what has been done for them for salvation. Amen? It's what has been done for us. And when we just flat out realize that, when we realize that there is not a thing in this world I can do to become a Christian except for bowing before Christ and realizing that I am in desperate need of His forgiveness. That's what makes me a Christian. When the Philippian jailer said, what must I do to be saved? Paul didn't say, pray for Jesus to come into your heart. Paul didn't say, give tithes and offerings to missions. Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe what? That He is the One who was promised to save your soul from hell, to forgive your sins, to cover you with His blood, to, in, to, to come into your life through the Holy Spirit, to give you a new heart, and to change your mind to make you a different person. See, the seed takes root. This last person hears the Word, he understands the Word, and that Word brings forth fruit. I love the Scripture where it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. If you're on the edge of your seat this morning spiritually, and I know there's a lot of people in this room that you folk just don't even know about. There are people that you sit next to week after week that are lost, and we've talked to them, we've talked to them, and we've talked to them. And some of you, and if you think I'm talking about you this morning, you're, it's not you, because there's just so many. And you think you're going to heaven because of something you've done. doesn't work that way. It's because of what Jesus has done for you. And you just need to call out to Him in faith. And realize He's done everything that you can be saved. See, these are the ones that have been truly saved. And all that we've learned from the Sermon on the Mount, it shows us that real Christianity cannot be hidden. Sometimes it gets stifled by sin. Sometimes it, it's, it's repressed a little bit. But if it's true faith in Jesus Christ, it's going to bear forth fruit. Some of the thoughts that I have about this text, it comes to the seed itself. What is the seed? The seed in all four cases is the same. It is the Word of God. It is the message 
of Jesus Christ that I've explained a little bit this morning. What is different between these four people, the first three and the last one, is actually the heart of the hearer. The preparedness of the heart is the difference. See, the responses are different because the hearts are different. What prepares the heart for the Gospel? Anybody? What prepares the heart for the message? The Word. What should we be doing as a church? What should we be doing as a Christian? We should be telling people about the Word of God. The Bible says, listen, let let me just help you today as best I can. Anybody have people they love or don't love that are lost and you want them to be saved? Anybody? Amen. All around this room. Do you know what? It's not us jamming the Word down them. It's us proclaiming the Word to them. And that's different. The Bible says in Jeremiah 23, verse 29, Is not My Word like a fire? Says the Lord. Is not My Word like a hammer that breaks the rock in places? See, the Word of God is like no other thing in this world. It is like no other seed that's ever been planted into the life of an individual. This Word, this seed is powerful and it's living. Hebrews 4.12 The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing sunder of soul and spirit and of thoughts and intents of the heart. Man, the Word of God tells you, Nikki, what you are. And it tells me what I am. And it tells you, Peter, what you are. And it tells you, Jason, what you are. And it sears through all of that. That's the Word of God. Oh, I love Isaiah 55, verse 10 and 11. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and returns not hither, but waters the earth, and it makes it bring forth and bud, that rain comes down, that melted water comes down, and it brings forth and it buds, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall My Word. So shall My Word. Listen to that. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. You have people that you want to see saved? My soul, pray for them. Pray for them, and then at every opportunity you can, you give them the word of God. Yesterday, you know my friend, my neighbor, Chris, are you here this morning? In case you snuck in. My neighbor, Chris, I've been talking to for five years about the Gospel. Within the last couple of months, he's gotten to the point where now he actually listens to me. And and a couple of days ago, I told him again about a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, not religion. And then yesterday, I I watched him... Actually, the other day, I watched him walk by my house. He is down... He's broken. He's, he is just to the edge of Himself. He's so much to the edge of Himself, He told me. He said, he said as a Royal Marine, I, I sucked up my pride and I went and saw a psychologist. Because He said, Steve, I can't bear life anymore. And I said, Chris, he said, I know what you're going to say to me. And I just told him some Scripture. Yesterday I saw him 
and he I was in the house and he left after we got back from doing stuff here and and I chased him down through our close and I grabbed his arm. I said, Chris, Chris, he just looks at me. And I said, You remember yesterday I told you I'm thinking about you? He said, Yeah. I said, What I meant by that was this I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you, and if there's anything you need, I'm here. Listen, do you know what God's word says? God's word says you let God's word prepare the heart of man. Jeremiah 23, 29. It can melt the coldest heart. It can break the hardest heart. You let God's word do its work. Amen? Amen? Having spoken in in the book of Isaiah right here, it's talking about the millennial kingdom to come. It's talking about the salvation which leads up to that and all, all of the things in future prophecy there. And the Lord assures the believer that His Word, His precious Word that is spoken, His living Word, His Word that is alive, will accomplish. It will bring forth what it says, what He says it will bring forth. His Word is like rain and snow that water the earth and help give it abundant vegetation. And this is what he is describing as the Word of God. When God speaks His Word, it brings forth spiritual life and it accomplishes the purpose in which it was intended for. Our greatest weapon is the Word of God and the Holy Spirit that bears this Word into the heart of people. Amen? Hey listen, you can have hope that people will be saved because of the Word of God. It is the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. What is our job as a church? What is our job as Christian people? I don't care, and I tell you this all the time, I don't care what you do for a living. I'm glad you're an accountant because you can help me. You help me count. You know? And I'm so thankful that Jason's a solicitor. He writes my letters. Amen? We hired a coach bus to take us on a journey to Portsmouth a, a few weeks ago. It was the coach bus from hell. It was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. That thing, it, it, you couldn't drive a bus above 45 miles an hour because <laughs> like that. I mean, poor, what about, I won't even say who it was. One of our, our young people got sick on the bus because it was so awful. And I wrote him a le- I talked to the owner of the company on the phone and, and, and I said, all that he didn't provide. And he goes, well, we got you there and back safe, didn't we? I said, hmm, I see where this is going. So I, I talked to our friendly neighbor solicitor. Amen? And he put together, I think Kirsty probably helped a little bit. Yeah? He put together a letter that, oh, brilliant. I'm glad you're a solicitor. Man, I, I, I'm, I'm glad that all that you do in this church because the Bible says that God brings people into the church of God with their gifts to edify the body so that we can do the ministry of the, the work of the ministry and go out into this world and do what we're called to do. But that's not what we're made to do. What we're made to do is to be the man who sows the seed of the kingdom of God. We are to be the one who takes the Bible to people wherever we are at, whenever we are at. Listen, we have times of evangelism in our church, but you know what? 
I'm not so concerned about you going to times of evangelism as I am concerned that every single day of our life we live it as a time of evangelism. Amen? Oh, well, I had such a blessing the other day. I, look, I don't know when I'm going to stop preaching. You don't worry about it. Amen? We're feeding you today, so you're stuck. Unless you want to leave, and then I can't make any force. But anyway, I got a, I got a message the other day. Pastor or something to the effect, or, or whatever. I, man, I get things, I don't even know where they come from sometimes. But the gist of the message was this. What a blessing it was today. At work, in a presentation, I was able to quote Scripture and be a testimony to those people at work. Amen? What a blessing to me. Listen, we don't put on a tie and carry a Bible and become a Christian. We are a Christian every day, every moment, at everything that we do. And if you're not living for God, and if you're not being that Christian to this world, if you're not being salt and light, then you ought to repent this morning and ask God to forgive you and then be that salt and light that God wants us to be. Amen? Listen, what we see here is that we are to sow this seed. This farmer came around, he grabbed a bunch of handfuls of seed, and he chucked it out into the field. He didn't care that it landed on hard ground, or thorny ground, or stony ground, or the good ground. He just put the seed out. It's not for you and I to just say, well, when we do it or how. Just put it out there, amen? And the best way to throw seed constantly is just to be what Jesus has created you to be. Salt and light. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 4.2, and yes, I know it's for ministers, but look folks, we're all preachers of the Gospel. You know, our, you know our doctrinal stand. Women will not preach from the pulpit. We believe in, in what Timothy says, that, that men are to be the pastors and teachers and preachers of the Word of God. But I told my kids at the dinner table the other day, I said, Emily can preach. My boys were like, what? I said, because preaching isn't only this. And in reality, this is called shepherding, not preaching. Preaching, as defined in the Bible in 2 Timothy 4.2, means the proclamation of His Word. It means to be a herald. It means to tell somebody about what the Bible says. Vicki, you can do that, can't you? Amen? Yeah, amen. Ida goes on the buses. Ida preaches on the buses. We get some, all kinds of strange people coming in here with their bags to come to church. You know why? Because Ida's told them about Jesus on the bus. That's preaching. Amen? What are we supposed to do? We're to sow the seed. Sowing the seed is not our opinions. It's not our traditions. It's not positive self-help. It's the pure and simple Word of God. It's God's truth of salvation for mankind. It is to tell people of their desperate need for forgiveness. It is nothing else because nothing else will produce, produce saved souls except God's Word. As I look in closing at this parable, the sower, you know what he did? He sowed. Do you know what will keep you happy in Jesus? Just doing what Jesus wants you to do. When we're doing what Christ wants us to do, we have less time to complain about everything around us. Amen? Amen? Amen. Three of you. That's right. We're in agreement. Can I hear amen?
Thank you. Now I can go on. The sower sowed. He did his job by throwing the seed. Why? Because he knew that when the seed hit the appropriate readied soil, it would bring forth fruit. There's two ways the farmer sowed. You know what? I don't worry about the response to the Gospel. I worry about sowing the Gospel. There's two ways that the farmer sowed. The first way that they did it back in the Israeli times is that they would take handfuls of seed. They would take handfuls of seed and they would do like this. And they would chuck it out like that. They wouldn't throw it down, but they would chuck it and it would go out into a spray and it would land all different places. You know, that kind of reminds me of, of people like, like Corey. Corey is the throwing the seed everywhere. If you go down to um, uh, Lloyd's TSB and you try to get money out of the ATM, you won't be able to do it. Nikki knows this because she tried to get money out of the ATM. Nikki puts her card and can't get the card in there and she sees something in the card spot of the ATM and she pulls it out. Oh, it's a gospel track. Oh, it's from Chiswick Baptist Church. Oh, there goes Corey down the pavement. <laughs> She's stuffing the gospel tracks into the ATM machines. You get a pizza delivered by um, uh, Frank Amanker or something like that, you might get your pizza box with a gospel track in it because she sneaks up to the motorbikes and she throws in gospel tracks into the motorbike boxes that carry your pizza along. I'm walking down the street the other day, minding my own business. You know what I see? I see one of our gospel tracks stuck in some guy's windscreen. Praise the Lord. That's sowing the seed out there. Amen? Hey man, because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, my job, your job, is to get God's Word out. You know, Danny goes to work and he has a... He, everybody gets afraid when I mention your name. He goes... <laughs> <laughs> Danny goes to work and he's got a co-worker there and he talks to her about Jesus. You know what he does? She says, I'll have a Bible. He goes, okay, now you do. And he gives her the Word of God. Nothing better to give out, Amen. Hey, say, I'm afraid to talk to people. Then get some tracts, get some Bibles, get a rock and write Jesus saves on it. Brother Ron used to say that. I don't care. You write Jesus saves on a rock. If it does it, man, praise the Lord for it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Listen, our world is dying and going to hell. And as the church, the living church of God, what we need to do is to get into this world and sow the seed of the Word of God so that those who have hard hearts, so those who have worldly hearts, so those who have uh, the hearts of the cares of this world and the, the riches of life and all of that, and so that the prepared heart, that they can hear the Word of God and they can be saved. Amen? And listen, you might have a neighbor or a friend or a loved one that might have a hard heart this morning or a worldly heart or a cared heart. Don't lose hope because it is the Word of God that will prepare their heart. Don't lose hope. Amen? That first way to sow is just to be nuts like Corey and other people and just throw out the Word of God. But there's another way to sow. There's another way to sow. See, what the Israelites would do is they would take an ox or some animal and they would take a bag of seed and they would strap it to the back end of the animal. And they would then put it into the field and 
right before it would begin to walk down the rows of, of the field, they would pop a hole in the back of that bag. And then that ox or animal would just start walking. You know, funny thing is, when you got a hole in your life with the Word of God coming out, wherever you go, it gets spread, right? Right? That's why it's so important for God's people to live a good testimony. So important for God's people to live a life that's representative of this precious Word that we read. Listen, you might not be the kind that can just chuck it out wherever you go, but you can be the kind of person that is so infused with the Word of God, that is so Holy Spirit controlled, that is so living full of the presence of Jesus Christ that you can't but help spread the Word of God. Amen? Hey, listen. Listen. This is what the Bible says. And as the church this morning, we have one job, and it is this. To glorify God with all our heart and all our life. Our job is to love God with everything that we have and to love mankind with everything that we have. I don't want to fight with you and I will not fight with anybody. I won't even fight with people I don't agree with. You know why? Because I don't have time in this world to fight. What I have to do is preach God's Word, Jason. And when you go to work tomorrow morning, you don't go as a solicitor. You go as an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Susan, when you go to work tomorrow or whenever you go to work, Andrew, you don't go to that secret place to do what secret agents do. You go as an ambassador of Jesus Christ. And you go as an ambassador because people are dying and on their way to hell because they've not believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And they need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. What will you do with the truth that God has given to you this morning? Two jobs. To tell sinners to repent and to live in this world the way that Christ wants us to live so that we may be that witness unto this world. Let's close our eyes and we'll close in prayer.